Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we're still here in the fishbowl at Build and uh, talking to some very interesting people Having today. Having a great time. Last day of the show. You yep. can see that. It was the attendee party last night, so we're all a little faded. We're a little garbled. A little, little gibbled. Yeah. Is that the word you use? Yeah, gibbled? I have used gibbled. gibbled. I have been gibbled. I've also put up my hand and said I'm not qualified to supervise a certain Yeah, uh, nothing like that. No. But, uh, you know, we just have a little fun. Yeah, it was, a good, it was a good night. Who knows? We're going to have some more fun right now. But okay. uh, first, we have this funny little thing we do called Better Know a Framework. Awesome. All right, dude, what do you got? I realize now that it's been a long time since I've told the listeners exactly what Better Know a Framework is and what it means and mm-hmm. how it started. Uh, what was it? Uh the Daily Show, right? Was it The Daily Show, Better Know a District? Oh, um, that was Colbert. It was did Colbert. That. Yeah. yeah, all right. So he walked around Washington, D.C. and talked to senators about th- things that they should know about their district. Right. And so, you know, we used the .NET framework. So I thought, well, let's pull out something that we know about the .NET framework and just this little tidbit. Maybe it's a class, maybe it's a namespace, something that's hidden in there. And we went pretty much through all the cool stuff in the framework. And I was like, oh, okay, now what do I do? <laughs> so I started looking around on the web for interesting things that are sort of maybe trending or uh, interesting videos or articles or blog posts or whatever. And today I came up with uh, a, a, a tool that Stack Overflow announced on May 9th in a blog post. And I'm going to link to the blog post, which links to the tool. But it's a Stack Overflow trends tool. Oh, now, really? check this out. This is really interesting. And this is what the blog post says. On a typical day, developers ask over 8,000 questions on Stack Overflow about programming problems they run into in their work. Which technologies are they asking about, and how has that changed over time? And today we're introducing the Stack Overflow Trends tool to track interest in programming languages and technologies based on the number of Stack Overflow questions asked per month. And, you know, one could argue that may point out things that you should avoid because they're complex and people can't figure out, right? <laughs> if, if it just keeps going if up and up If it keeps going up and up, that doesn't mean that it's more popular. Yeah. It might mean that it's more difficult, yeah. right? But anyway, I think it's really, really cool that, you know, they show a couple of graphs over time from 2009 to 2017. You know, you can clearly see that PHP went up for a while and now it's coming down and Python continues to go up, and Perl just crawls along uh, the bottom. Dude, I found a graph for Flash and Silverlight oh, questions. That's funny. Yeah, they look. It looks like a ski slope. Yeah, down it a goes. downhill ski slope. Yeah, that's uh, okay. Very. One that I wouldn't want to ski on actually because it's pretty jagged. <laughs> Wait, you have Silverlight apps? I use one of your Silverlight apps true. almost every day. That's true. Yeah, and it didn't die. Oh, weird. How enough. is that? I don't isn't know. Isn't that that's amazing? True. Strangest thing. Well, anyway, this is a very cool tool. It's at least a very cool blog post that you could look at and uh, discover some new things. So thanks, Stack Overflow. Good stuff. Awesome. Who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off a of show 1372, the one we did back in November of 2016 with Matthew Robbins, talking about MFractor as a way to build cross-platform mobile apps. MFractor? Remember MFractor? MFractor. Yeah. How was, could I forget? These were This was tooling to actually validate Xamarin code. It was a, a testing yep. library. And it, yep. Yeah, very interesting stuff. We've got very a bunch cool. of good comments on the show. This one comes from Brandon Padgett, who said, I've not used Xamarin, but when I heard Carl mention the ritual he has every time he creates a new Xamarin project... 
months. You've done that a bunch. Yeah. I figured I would share with you guys a, pro- uh, a project that you might find helpful. It is a PowerShell generator similar to Yeoman called Plaster, and it's for project scaffolding. Nice. And it's a GitHub project, so open source. Anybody can love it. tap at it. I'll include the link in the show notes here. It's not quite at 1.0. I've been using it for the past few months. And I'm really enjoying it. The people who started the project are David Wilson, who helps develop the PowerShell VS Code extension, and a PowerShell MVP named Keith Hill. And while it has its roots in PowerShell, it can easily be used for other types of projects, and it's been seen being used in a number of important C-sharp projects. And we should also point out that that is from eight months ago. So by Six. now, uh, yeah, by now it's probably more, uh, more robust. Hopefully it's still moving along. Right? Yeah, yeah looks no? it. Yeah, contributions from just a couple of days ago. That's what I look for in an open source project. That's good. It's alive. It's alive. So, uh, and Brad Zach, I use it for a lot of different project types. Well, thank you, Brandon. That's a good find. And uh, like I said, we'll include it in the show notes and hopefully it keeps moving right along. And Mm -hmm. a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. We wax our skis with him. <laughs> We're going to sure. need it to slide down that uh, uh, Flash and Silverlight hill. But, uh, <laughs> don't go down the hill. Need the wax. All right. Let's uh, introduce a couple of very smart guys today. Uh, Vikas Bhatia is the lead program manager for Project Rome. And Sean Henry is the principal program manager for Project Rome. And what is Project Rome, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. Project Rome is a project code name for Microsoft's cross-device experiences platform using the Microsoft Graph. This toolkit, consisting of API sets on multiple development platforms, allows an app on a client local device to interact with apps and services on a host or remote device that is signed in with or receptive to the Microsoft account, uh, MSA or Azure Active Directory account, on the client device. This allows developers to program cross-device and cross-platform experiences that are centered around user tasks rather than devices. Gee, yeah. that's a great idea. <laughs> How come nobody else thought of that? We spent so much time writing that down. Isn't that like great copyright there? Great, that is a great experience. That is awesome. So, all right. So for the laymen who didn't really understand what I just said there, let's unpack Project Rome. Absolutely. So I'm Vikas. Uh, thanks for having us here first. We are, we are super excited to be yeah, here. And uh, first, congratulations to you guys. Like, we are big fans of you guys. So oh, thanks, thanks for having us over. Thank you. Uh, this, is, this is awesome. Well, we wouldn't have a show without guys <laughs> like you doing what you do. So <laughs> thank you. So uh, basically what Project Room uh, lets you do is drive user engagement across apps, across devices, uh-huh. and uh-huh. across platforms at the very lowest level. Okay. It's the... the if we look at the problem, and we would rather look at it as an opportunity rather than a problem, mm-hmm. right? Which is, developers spend a lot of time building their apps, yep. their services, getting them right, and what they're looking for is user engagement. Mm-hmm. Yes. The more engagement they get for their apps and services, yes, the better they can serve their users' needs. Obviously, the better they can monetize. Yes. But the world that we are living in right now has evolved. Right, like previously we had a PC on every desk. That's where we started. Yes. Right, but now it is a PC on every desk, a phone in every pocket, a device in every home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With a headless computer, there's a screen over That's there. Right. We have so many Multiple stats around devices. device 
proliferation. I can never get that word right. Devices everywhere, right? Uh, Uh, And what's happened here is users keep moving between these devices constantly. Yes. Right? Like we we get up in the morning, we start our TVs to check check out Good Morning America or Good Good, Good Morning wherever you are. Yeah. But even then we we are on our phones. You drive into work or you take public transportation. You're not supposed to be checking your phone while you drive, but you still check your phone while you drive. <laughs> yeah. Right? You're constantly in front of a screen. I was coming up here with an elevator. I had a guy in, with me in the elevator. He whipped out his phone to check something for 10 seconds. Right. Yeah. Right? We're in front of our screens constantly. Yeah. What happens because of that, we are switching devices. We are doing our tasks across all of these devices. So the challenge is to make the experience seamless from one device to another. Keep the context the same from one device to another. So you're not actually using a device. You're using an app. Exactly. And the app is up there. Exactly. Exactly. You know, if if you think today, you know, we keep adding more and more devices. We get phones. We get like, like these speakers and we have smart TVs and everything. And our life just gets more and more complicated like yeah. each time you add one of these devices. Right. And what we want to do is make it so that your life gets simpler when you add one of these devices. And you just start thinking about the experience for you across all the devices that you're using. Sure. So this first occurred to me when we were interviewing something on a road trip from RDO, yeah. the music streaming app. And the whole idea is that I'm at my desk and I'm listening to my playlist. And I, I hit stop or pause or whatever, and I go to lunch. And now I pull, pull up RDO on my phone. Guess right. what? I'm right in the middle of, I'm exactly where I hit pause right. in my playlist and in the song that I was listening mm-hmm. to. You know, and so where's the app? That's the question. Where's the app? Is the right. app on your desk? Mm-hmm. Is it in your phone? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. It's in the cloud. It, yeah. it's, it's bigger than, than any that. given device. Yes. Yeah, it's really interesting. It, it's a huge, yeah. it's a huge real, when yeah. you realize that, mm-hmm. then, uh, then it becomes this ephemeral yeah. thing yeah. rather than, rather than a, a, an app that's, and Spotify has done that as well, right? Spotify has Spotify Connect. They mm-hmm. let yeah. you manage all this. But all these companies have built their own infrastructure right, right. to make all this possible. Yeah. Right? And what we are providing with Project Rome is this platform that, yeah. l- that lets you manage all this. Oh, nice. like even if you look at Power Office, right? If you open up an office, if you open up PowerPoint, you have an MRU of what you did before. Yeah. You open a document, it tells you pick up where you left off. But Great. even along the way, users have to remember to open up PowerPoint. Right. There is a user drop-off. Right. <laughs> right? Like, you have, as you switch devices, you switch between tasks, even reboots for that matter. A drop-off is a, is a nice way to say, hit right. the brick wall. Exactly. <laughs> you know? right. It's kind of yeah, what right. you're doing. Boom. So, so, at a very basic level, we are, Project Rome aims to break down these silos between devices and drive up user engagement. Yeah. Which obviously as developers, you know, we, we are former developers. Like that's what we want as developers. We yeah. crave user engagement. We want people to use our the beautiful thing that we've slaved right. and built over and we want this to be to happen. Now if you think about it, it doesn't seem like that difficult a problem to solve, but right. I know there must be, otherwise you guys wouldn't have such a, a you well, know such a focus but i mean if you think about it, how as a developer i want to solve this yeah. i would just put all of my state and mm-hmm. all of my context mm-hmm. on the server in some store somewhere mm-hmm. and you know it's all json and api driven yep. so you know just being able to query that state and being able to pick it up where you left off no matter what the device is doesn't seem like that big a deal so what are the challenges in developing 
a well, system like that. Yeah, I mean, you see, you see a lot of apps. I mean, that's what RDO did in that example. You know, they kept all their state in the cloud, and so whenever you, you know, relaunch their application, you were really picking up where you left off. Yeah. But there's a couple things that you know we can do. A, we can make it, you know, really easy for developers to plug in, build their own framework instead of having to invest, you know, a lot of time building that cloud infrastructure. Um, and then also we can kind of up level it. We can offer up, you know, surfaces. In Windows, for instance, and, and, and in places like Cortana on iOS and Android, where we can offer those things up to the user like on your app's behalf, so they don't even have to go and find the document or find your app. We can offer it back up to them you know, as soon as they pick up their phone or as soon as they pick up their PC. So just more, more input places, yeah. more, more, input. more surface, right. to, exactly. yeah, like you said, to yeah. access yeah. the state. Like I, I build yeah, at the keynote yesterday, you know, we we showed a bunch of really cool new features uh, as part of Windows uh, to you know really create these new engagement surfaces. So we talked about Timeline, mm. uh, which is this new uh, piece of UI that's an extension of Task View. So if you hit Windows Tab, you know you see all of your your apps that are running right now, but you can also scroll down and you can go into the past and you can see all the things that you were doing in the past in this Timeline view. And you can then, uh, you know, click on those and actually pick up where you left off. So you can go look, you know, three or four days ago, I was working on this PowerPoint presentation. I can tap on that. It launches PowerPoint right on the slide I left off. And we can do the same yeah. thing on your mobile phone with, uh, with, with Cortana on, uh, on iOS and Android. So really, you're allowing these different applications to share the state in, in terms of what is meaningful to that yeah, app. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. That's so where this starts is if you look at a particular device, like I, I see like four on this table. Yep. Right. All of these are uh, an operating system is built for the device. Yeah. What we are doing is we are we are providing an operating system for the user. We're calling it a personal operating system, right? That's the mm. way we think about it. An operating system that moves with you makes your life easy. If you focus on the user and you say that okay, your trying to live your life you're trying to accomplish tasks you're trying to get something done and you you are moving between these devices throughout your day how and can we help apps. you yeah how can we help the user be more productive right even whether it's an information worker who's trying to get some stuff done or someone who's running a non-profit or somebody who's a consumer like you know using entertainment and media how can we make their lives feel connected as they move between these devices? And I can give you two examples of how of programs that don't even aren't even cloud programs that don't carry the context forward from interaction to interaction. Right. One is, uh, gee, Adobe Audition comes to mind. Yeah, right. You, know, you when you save a file, mm -hmm. it doesn't actually. You know, I mean, you're in a project. You have a project in a project yeah. folder. Now yeah. you record a file, yeah. and you want to save that file, and it asks you where you want to save it. Right. Yeah. And and it's somewhere it always ends up like starting at documents right. and it's like what do you mean this is not where i want to save it i'm in my project is in this folder yeah. why don't you start there why don't you start with the last place yeah. that i saved the file right. it's maddening context yeah. it's the context it, yeah. and, and the other one is just using the iphone mm -hmm. I don't know if you know it, but the UI sucks. <laughs> I, I mean, is that a technical term? Can we say that? Yeah. Technical term, but the UI sucks. It, let's, say, let's say you're pulling up yeah. a Gmail in yeah. Safari. Yeah. Uh, who would do that? Nobody I mean, would do really? that. Who Nobody would do that. that? Nobody would do that. Yeah. But if you did, mm. and you wanted to attach six photos, for each photo, there's eight taps. Mm -hmm. mm. What? <laughs> for each photo? That's like... 
you know, the first one I pick, I want to attach a photo. Okay, now where is that from? My photo collection. Mm. Oh, okay. How about this? Pick yeah. now. You pick your photo, and now yeah. I go back. I want to attach another one. Oh, do you want to go through all these stupid questions right. again? It's right. like the the app has short term memory right. loss. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's it's great. Like we can we can talk about sort of a use case of how Project Room can help. Would mm -hmm. that be useful? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Please. So I, I think it'd be great if we just talk through how Joe Belfiore talked about it in his keynote yesterday. Yeah. Except just in like words in a descriptive way. What he talked about was this uh, uh, person called Sherry. Like she's a designer, mm -hmm. uh, architect yeah. or something. Yeah. And she's at her Surface uh, studio mm. at work and she's working on some PowerPoint document. Yeah. Right. And she gets up and he's like, okay, I got to run to a meeting. She grabs her laptop. She goes to that meeting yeah. and she's going to need that document that she just worked on. Right. So what happens then is Cortana in Windows shows her a notification that says, do you want to pick up where you left off? Great. That last document she worked on was right there. She clicks that. She's directly into it. No loss of context. Right. She works on the document. She, she closes it. She's out for lunch. She's meeting her client for lunch. She goes to her uh, lunch and then she has her Android or iOS phone. Within a certain time, Cortana throws like a notification on her uh, lock screen that says, do you want to pick up where you left off? Right. That's configurable. But let's say she just opens up Cortana. In there, she sees that document right away. Yeah. She clicks that. If she doesn't have PowerPoint installed on that uh, device, we will help the user install PowerPoint or just open up that document inside PowerPoint. Yeah. So what we've shown you is this connective tissue, this glue as the user moves between devices. The other important thing is we talked about PowerPoint. The developers listening to this should think about your app here, right? So what we're doing is we're not only driving user engagement, we're driving app acquisition, yeah. user retention, right. app re-engagement. Also yeah. on Android and iOS, we are driving app acquisition on Android and iOS. Right. You want you want these apps you to be on all of your devices. Exactly. Right. So what we are doing is essentially helping developers just drive up engagement wherever the user is. Mm -hmm. right. right. This is going back to that personal operating system. Yeah. An operating system that moves with you, yeah. makes you productive. And Wonderful. to participate in that is all you have to do is use this user activity APIs. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's great. Hey guys, hang on one second while we pay the bills. This episode of .NET Rocks is made possible in part by Windows on the Google Cloud Platform. You may not know this, but the Google Cloud Platform supports Windows Server 2008, 2012, and 2016. It also supports SQL Server versions 2012, 2014, and 2016 standard web and enterprise editions with high availability. You can deploy your ASP.NET Windows apps to Compute Engine or your ASP.NET Core apps to App Engine or Container Engine. That's Google's hosted Kubernetes environment. .NET and .NET Core libraries are there for all 200-plus Google.com and cloud services in NuGet, led by John Skeet of Stack Overflow fame. But what about Visual Studio integration? Oh, it's there. You can use Visual Studio to manage your GCP resources and deploy your existing apps. You get stack driver logging, error reporting, and tracing support for .NET and .NET Core. PowerShell commandlets for GCP, which run on Windows and Linux. And a great set of partners to bring your Windows and .NET workloads to GCP, including Capgemini, Nudesic, and Magenic. So go to gcp.netrocks.com and get your free trial today. You're listening to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell talking to Vikas Bhatia and Sean Henry from Project Rome, talking about 
a personal operating system that moves with you is your personal context. <laughs> is Cortana really the center of the universe for context in the Microsoft world? Cortana is this intelligent assistant, right? Mm -hmm. It is trying to help you be productive. I use Cortana for setting up timers in my house, right? Simple <laughs> things. Sure. <laughs> and I use it to go back to where I was. Yeah. And on Android and iOS, think about it as the assistant that moves with you on Android and iOS. Right. And even in Windows, right? Yeah. So we, we see Cortana becoming more and more useful to the user, obviously, over time. And I think, I can't remember the stat, but they said like millions of uh, users are like it has a really high uh, retention now on a MAU basis mm -hmm. yeah like the Cortana engagement is really going up so we are trying these experiences into Cortana because it's a logical place to think about where the user should turn to to get help right right, right? yeah yeah just as sort of a front end on that absolutely but thinking in the context of you know I almost feel like you you need to have each of your devices subscribe to this concept of an operating system, but in the end, it's just installing apps and providing an identity. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the power. I mean, it really comes down to the power of, of MS Graph, mm -hmm. where, you know, what we've done is we've we've added to the Microsoft Graph, we've added this concept of devices mm -hmm. and this concept of activities. Um, Can we it, back up and explain MS Graph? Sure, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, MS Graph is a set of REST APIs that uh, allow you as a developer to access um, all of all of these micro, all this data that Microsoft has, right. and it started off as part of like Office 365. Yeah, that's where I do it from. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So you could you know authenticate with the graph, and you could get you know all the information about you, about your mails, about your Office documents, all mm -hmm. the things you've done in 365, Office 365. And what we've done is you know from Windows, we've taken some of that information that we know from Windows um, around the devices that you use and the and the um, activities that you do, and we've put those in the graph as mm. well, mm. so that developers can now uh, talk to the graph, either with our client-side APIs or directly to the graph with these REST APIs, um, and create these really compelling experiences. Mm. So I can, you know, as a developer, walk up to the graph, uh, either via client APIs or REST APIs, and get all the devices associated with me yeah. as a user with my right. Microsoft account or my Azure Active Directory account. Mm -hmm. wow. um, and then from there, you know, you're off to the races. We have all sorts of cool things you can do once you have that device list and those okay. lists of activities. That so now, those. getting back to how you guys used it. Um, yeah, so I mean, in, in terms of like APIs that we yeah. offer, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, kind of the basic pieces are that uh, there's kind of two, two big groups, and the first group is kind of these directed experiences around the device graph. Mm -hmm. and. What you can do as a developer is, you know, like I said, you can you can um, take a user's identity and you can get the list of devices associated with that user. Yeah. And then from there, once you have a device, so like for me, I have my my, my Surface Book, my laptop, um, I have my desktop that I use at work. I also have my phone because I log into Office with my with my Microsoft account, right? Um, as well as my Xbox as well. So all these devices are sitting in my device graph. Um, and then from there, we offer APIs to launch applications on those devices. So you can do a launch via URI. So any scheme, you can launch a website, um, you know, or if your app is a scheme handler um, on those devices, you can then launch that application. So you can get your app up and running from another device. Wow, cool. And then now once your app is up and running, we offer APIs to pass messages between instances of your app or other people's apps. Yeah. Um, so you can send messages. We call it app services. So this is what allows you you know, from your app to talk to other apps, you know, both on the device, but we've really extended it with Project Rome 
to work across devices. Yeah. And so you can build these really cool experiences where like you have an app on your phone and it's like acting as a companion or a remote control to uh, a- applications on your uh, on your PC or on your Xbox or on other devices. So do I as a developer on the back end use Project Rome as a state bag or something like that? No, or do it, I do my own? You, you would do your own like state management within... Um, you know, whatever service you want to use, you yeah, can use sure. like Azure App Services or yeah. whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all like great services um, to build that. What we do is we really hook you up with that device graph and yeah. get you that connection. Yeah. We call it like app activation. That's really the secret sauce that we can get you. Right, right. Is that we can get your app launched on those other devices and then yeah. you can talk to them. And, and I found on the Microsoft Graph site, there's the Graph Explorer use right, credentials and it's like, here are the calls. This yep. is what you can see. Yeah. Yep. So our APIs up there in beta today and they'll pro- they may be, uh, you know, by the time this airs, be, uh, be released. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can go up to the Graph Explorer and you can literally put in your credentials and you can see your list of devices from right. there mm-hmm. and you can do all these operations. Um, one of the cool things we do as well, though, so there's obviously... Um, the graph, which is a REST API through the cloud, mm-hmm. but we also offer a proximal shortcut. So, you know, if it's if your devices are nearby to each other, we will discover them over Bluetooth mm-hmm. or over the local network, and we'll actually make the connection that way. Mm-hmm. So you can have a really fast, performant connection mm-hmm. um, between devices that are nearby. Uh, if you're using our client side APIs, so and this was I think something that was in the keynote as well yes. was that whole you've you've emailed yourself a photo, yeah, yeah, in order to get it from one device to another, yeah, it happens yeah. all the time. So <laughs> that was the yeah the the, cl- the cloud, cloud clipboard, clipboard feature that yeah. we talked about. There's right. a lot of features that you know when we were developing this internally that we started building a lot of really cool Windows features on top of it: cloud mm. clipboard, timeline, Cortana. Uh, Cortana notifications, and you, and it's just amazing that we were able to then take all this infrastructure we built and make it available to developers, so they mm-hmm. can build their own pieces on top of it's it. It's interesting that cloud clipboard idea. Yeah. Kent Alstad and I were talking about do- doing something like that as an app like three years ago. Sure, maybe. And we thought it was a great idea, but we never felt follow through. Like most things that go through my brain, <laughs> yeah. I say, "Geez, I should have done that." Yeah. But yeah. it, but it's also I mean the context part of that matters. You guys already have virtually everybody listening to this show already has credentials right. yeah. somewhere inside of this this infrastructure as it exactly. is. So it's it's not making me jump through a lot of hoops. And I really appreciate the idea that enrolling a device, getting yeah. them on board, yeah. you got to keep that as low as possible, yeah, okay. but still distinct. Absolutely. I'm not you know I'm right away I'm sort of poking at this is not just about devices I own, but I would really like to be able to you know. Put it on a device I'm borrowing. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, right. Yeah, we think about that future of ubiquitous computing where yeah. stuff's everywhere. The idea, yeah. it's always been a question of, okay, stuff's in the, my things are in the cloud, so I know I can bring my identity where it needs to go yeah. to. How can I temporarily insert what I need into this machine? Right. Or phone Do or my thing. Yeah. And then have it all go away when I'm done. Yeah, there's yeah. A, I mean, I, if you've looked at using like the Surface Hub, which is, you know, the big screen, you yeah. know, very similar concepts mm-hmm. there where you kind of log in temporarily, your context shows up. And you know you're and you're collaborating with people in a meeting, and all yeah. of their all of their identities are collaborating on one on that device. Mm-hmm. And then you leave the meeting, and the device you know resets itself, and your identity is mm-hmm. gone from there. And the next right. meeting comes in. Yeah, that's great. Um, it's really really powerful. But so I was like, stuff there. You know, the graph approach. What I like about this is that for me, who's got enough IT in me that I have security paranoia. 
at a glance, mm-hmm. going through the graph explorer to be able to go, yeah, that device has no longer got any rights to me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I can see the mm-hmm. list of devices that exactly. exist. Mm-hmm. You know, I really like that. And I yeah. run my own exchange server because deep down I hate myself. Yeah. And <laughs> it maintains a list of what mobile devices are allowed to get mail. And there's a yeah. limit. Like, you're only allowed 10. Right. And so, you know, you re- run it all. I have to go in and groom that list. Right. It's like, ah, oh, that, that phone died. That yeah. one went in the drink. Yeah. Like, you knocked those things off. Mm-hmm. But it's also, it's like, this is it. Yeah. If you're... If you're not on this list, yeah. you've not been on this mailbox. And if you go to accounts.live.com, if you see your devices there, yeah. that's the same device graph that we are running off. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like it's, we're consolidating all these assets that we've had as a company and really making it simple. So the yes. same device directory that's there, we are integrating with Microsoft Graph, bringing in devices and activities in there, really making life simpler for the developer and making the user more productive. And right. you know that that, that list of resources is always accurate and it's mm-hmm. always up to date mm-hmm. you don't have to synchronize them across Absolutely. your apps but i also uh, think yeah. there's a big picture here too like because yeah. i think back to passport yeah. like oh, we've yes. been, and remember hailstorm like we've <laughs> oh, done this yes. long enough and the issue was the big brother effect yeah. the creepiness weren't ready effect. for it yeah. well i don't even think is that i think you've presented in a way where you're empowering me mm-hmm. to manage my information and my relationship with different kinds of equipment yeah. and i don't know that that was the language used yeah. back in the day yeah. so i think we've all gotten more sophisticated about how we think about our security think about our identity yeah. and so yeah. forth privacy we're a lot privacy, more mature exactly. privacy. well yeah and and actually privacy is something that's really top of our mind sure we totally want the users to be in control of their privacy and this is central to our tenant Mm -hmm. in the in the team users need to be in control right period and so no secrets like yes keep my stuff private but when i ask show me everything you know about me and allow me to eliminate what i want to eliminate right so that, and, you know, right. now I, I am in control and right. I feel confident. It's like now you're serving me right. yeah. while also facilitating right. an awful lot of software. Right. I mean, that's, that's I also think the timing of Hailstorm was at a time when there was a bunch of mistrust about cloud data in sure. general. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, the, the result was a, yeah, right. right. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But, you know, Passport was a really useful tool that it died was. a sad death. Yeah. But again, it's like it's a good time to sort of get back to this idea that we need control over this. Like, right. yeah. I'm feeling empowered knowing this exists. Yeah. The other thing that's really important is you know be able to show value for the data yeah. that we're you know that we're that we're storing. And so that's right. why we have these features like Timeline and Cortana, which really you know you can make a connection as a user that like I've given you this data and now I have this experience right. that's really lighting right. up for it. Awesome. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is? I must be that happy time again. Yes. It's time to summon the spirit of Emperor Nero because, people, Rome is on fire. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, bring Where's the Rome jokes. My, <laughs> where's my violin? Uh, it's a myth. The man did not play the violin. I know, but at least it's a myth. It is a myth. So you know what I'm talking about. Yes. And therefore, it's funny. It is funny. All right. Well, it's actually time to give away a D-Experience subscription from DevExpress to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation, touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial at devexpress.com slash superhero. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Carl Morris. Congratulations, Carl. 
Golf clap for you, sir. Absolutely. And Carl Morris just won a big pile of awesome, the D Experience subscription from Dev Express, just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you don't know what that is, go to .NET Rocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we'd like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the fan club, but you got to sign up to win. We also like to ask our guest, Vikas, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what do you think you would buy? Oh, boy. <laughs> I think I would go uh, getting my house all wired for IoT. Nice. Really? Uh, I This has been something that's been on my list for a long time. And I know everyone around me that's doing that. I want yeah, to get yeah. like the ring doorbell that yeah. Sean has. I want right. the... Is it the cool factor or is there's actually some utility there? Oh, the, 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 I think there's absolute utility. I I have two Echoes in my house. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I have the unreleased invoke speaker <laughs> nice. Nice. that runs the Rome device runtime on it. Fantastic. Have you played with like a smart things hub? Or, yeah, yeah. Know, we've been I mean, playing with that. It's, it, I mean, it's now ingredients, right? Yeah. It's like, here's my voice communication piece. Yeah. Here's yeah. my piece. It's a bridge to the cloud. Yeah. Now, can everybody talk to everybody else right. and right. sort yeah. of just surface right. more and more functionality? Right. Right. Well, you could definitely spend five grand. In, oh, yeah. Easy. The, <laughs> yeah. How yeah. about you, Sean? You know, it's got to be. I was playing with the Surface Studios out oh, here. Yeah. I mean, that's just amazing. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm trying to convince myself that they would be a great dev box. And I think they would be. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. just having that giant screen. What's the resolution of the screen? I, I, I don't know. A million, yeah. a million by a billion. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> it is pretty high res. Yeah, the Surface Studio resolution, you're not wrong, a million by a million. It's 4,500 by 3,000. That's incredible. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. And just a beautiful screen. And a 20-inch display. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I have a 4K 43-inch. Mm -hmm. Oh, and wow. I, and I like that because you don't have to scale it at all. It's yeah. like 120 right. DPI. That's yeah. right. This is higher resolution than that and less than half the size. Yeah. Like, what brand do you have? That, that's a Dell. That, Dell, that, that the Dell, Dell makes one. that 43 yeah, inch 4K. Really I have nothing bad to say about that monitor. It's lovely, yeah. but it is very big. Yeah. The 28's a nice size, yeah. but you are you're gonna have to scale your fonts. Yeah. Which yeah. it's, it's 4,500 by 3,000, yeah, man. It's beautiful. That's but you get nice. those brilliant pictures. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. outstanding, and it's such a gorgeous device. Yeah. I've been trying my, to justify it. My code one. will look amazing too. That's right. Right. Yeah. It'll be beautiful. <laughs> You'll use a paintbrush. Yeah, that's you know, right. For your for loops. That's love it, love it, love it. Yeah, I gotta think when we give that do that giveaway in December. I bet you the Surface Studio. I think, think maybe might it might actually happen. Every time we've done this, we've done it four times now. Yeah, four it's, or five. I can't remember. It tends to be a developer's new machine. Sometimes yeah. it's a laptop, sometimes it's a desktop. But it's like I want to do mobile development. I want to do Connect development. It's things like mm. that. Very practical. Right? Mm -hmm. well, I'm hoping someday somebody goes nuts. I've always hoped that somebody would be like I want one of every mobile device because <laughs> we can get a lot for five grand. But uh, but that Surface Studio. You don't expect Microsoft to make something quite that pretty. Yeah. Oh, it's it is pretty. It's very pretty. Inspirational machine. Mm, yeah. yeah. So how do we get back into uh, Project Rome? Where do we leave off? We were talking about the, the benefits. Right. The overall so, benefits. So I think developers listening to the show so far probably have realized that Project Rome is going to help them break down barriers between devices. Yes. And drive up user engagement. Yes. But the way we kind of look at it is... Technically, there are two pieces, the device graph and the activity graph. Mm -hmm. But stepping back, there are two sort of scenarios that developers should think about. One, what we call push continuity, and the other, what we call pull continuity. Okay. 
So with push continuity, the way to think about it is I am doing something on my device right now and there's a better device to do that on. Yes. And I can push that content onto that device. Okay. Right? So that's using our Does device. the user do that by device or does your app do that? The user uh, does that in the app built okay. by the developer. The developer is using our SDK to discover the user's devices. Got it. And then uses good old launch URI async uh, command with remote systems APIs or uses the remote app services. So in the case of our right. document, right. And we pick up the laptop yeah. off the desktop machine. You yeah. say, I'm going to use my laptop, yeah. push this to my laptop. Absolutely. So or even think about like, you know, you have music, you have music playing on your Xbox yeah. in your house and you're walking around and a song comes on you don't like, you pick up the app on your phone and use that app to say, skip to the next song nice. or play this other playlist. And now you have a connective tissue between all of your devices that I, you're pushing content to. I, I, I read this all the time, but I use a technology called SD cards. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like your particular scenario because yeah. it's about timeliness. Yeah. If that's not already set up, yeah. if I don't have that remote, like you're, you're going to end up listening to that song anyway. Exactly. Right? It's like one can only take so much Beastie Boys. Right. So, <laughs> so the ability to do that quickly enough yeah. to save brain cells, I think right. that's important. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, I mean, just reducing the number of clicks takes yeah. to do something. Sure. Right? Yep. Um, you know, it's, it's the, there's, it, you know, it seems simple, but there's, you know, there's a cognitive overload that you got to think about, okay, what do I got to do next? Right. What do I got to do next? If we can present that context to the user right away. Mm -hmm. I love um, that. Right. Back into it. So that was the first part, the push continuity. Right. Yes. Now the second part is the pull continuity, which is the user is still, as I said earlier, the Sherry example. Yep. Yeah. Right. She was doing something on her Surface Studio. She moves to a Surface Book. She pulls that continuity aspect from Cortana Got or it. from Windows Timeline. In that case, what the developer is using is using our user activity APIs that yeah. are going to be available in the fall creators update mm -hmm. in Windows natively as user activity. Right. Right. Or using our REST APIs on Android and iOS right. through Microsoft Graph. Yeah. And it's very simple to use. We've actually done a couple of hack fests in, in, our, uh, in Redmond with a couple of first party apps. Okay. And it literally took like 20 to 30 minutes. For yeah, it's pretty simple. In. I mean, all, right. all you're doing as a developer yeah. is you're using this user activity API to kind of pass us deep links into your application. Right. So, you know, you build a URI that we will then pass back to you yeah. as your application right. to get you back, you know, deep where you are in your application back into the user's context. So this maybe lends itself better to uh, apps that use resources that don't necessarily go to the cloud automatically right there's a lot of local stuff that you're using maybe maybe there's some larger files maybe that you're working with mp3 files maybe you're working with video files right. something like that that you're not really gonna just save to the cloud and right. you know maybe this is that a this, good this is i mean this is really about kind of if you think of like a playhead of the application or like the right. you know the actual link of where they are yeah and we pass that that around to all your applications and then yeah at that point then it's you know once the app gets reactivated we leave it up to the app to sort of ride the right context yeah. for the user. Yeah. And if it's going to restore that session, maybe it is stored in the cloud. They can go right. and get it from their cloud service. But if it isn't, it can get it from your other machine, uh, right? Potentially, yeah. I mean, it could go and, and use the device graph then to go look for that other machine and talk to the instance of your app so on cool. that other machine. Yeah. And, yeah. and pull that across. data through. That's so across, cool. Especially yeah. if you're going across platforms and devices. You, you might need your iPhone to go, oh, yeah. I better go get this app from the app store because we want to pull this exactly. context forward. Now, so think cool. about photographs. Like we take photographs with our phones. Yeah. Right. And you, if you want to access that photograph on your phone from your PC, 
Has Call to be back in the to cloud. your phone. Go get it from the phone. Right. right? Or right. it's you're syncing to some cloud service and you've got to go sort of figure exactly. that out. Right. Exactly. And I have, a, and as a, somebody who goes through like more than a phone a year, yeah. uh, I often am not diligent enough on where I make sure my phones are writing their images to. So right. I have right. many photo stores right. yeah. that, that, that are too. kind of a mess. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the other third piece that uh, we haven't talked about much. The first two pieces we talked about, the push continuity and the pull mm -hmm. continuity, yeah. those are single user scenarios. Right. Yeah. Right. This is the user interacting with his or her devices yes. throughout the day. Now, the four of us, we are in a multi-user world, right? right? So let's go back to the keynote that happened yesterday. Alex yeah. Kipman, somebody that you know I really look up to. Yeah. He talked about, you know, the Cirque du Soleil. Did you guys catch that? Yes. That was so beautiful, right? Like the three people together, yeah. building that stage together. We have APIs for that built on Project Rome called Remote Sessions. So so that is actually built on Project Rome. Wow. Right. So what what's happening there is the three HoloLenses together were in proximity, discovering each other, working on a common task in collaboration with each other. Now, is that Wi-Fi they're connecting with? They are connecting over Bluetooth or Wi-Fi. Okay. Yeah. And the transfer is happening over TCP, UDP. And this is direct device protocol. device? You're not bouncing through the cloud on Correct. the way? This is device to device wow. in that case. That's how we get that low latency and yeah. high performance. Sure. Wow. Everything's right. really synchronized. Those kind of scenarios. Well, yeah. That so makes me feel like I could pick up my phone and flick my pictures into my laptop right. with Absolutely. the right piece yeah, of software. Yeah. Or flick yeah. it to me. Right, yeah, or right. To your device, so right. a temporary right. relationship right. between our and devices. That's really what it's about. Is like right. you know, we can all show up here, right. and we can you know, we have our device, our machines aren't connected, haven't seen right. each other at all before, right. and we can start these kind of ad hoc right. sessions. This, this is what the original Surface table blew my <laughs> yeah. mind about. Yeah. Sure, that you could put your phone down on, on it, it, and yeah. the pictures fell and out. The of pictures it. just spilled out. Mm -hmm. on the metaphor the, was so gorgeous. It was yeah. beautiful, and I could flick my photos to you, and let's imagine that. Like we have a party at my house, right? I invite yeah. all of you guys over yeah. and we want to play a game, right? Yeah. So you can imagine four of us, me on my Android phone, Sean on his iPhone, you on your, uh, you know, Windows PC, you on your Xbox. Right. All of us are playing this game together and really we are now connected together right. doing a task that's really breaking down barriers. We've yeah. created a shared context right. for that one interaction. Exactly. And one of the nice things, I mean, that thing you mentioned with the Surface Table, I bet you they wrote a lot of code to make that happen. Yeah. Right? And, you know, we wrote a lot of code to make this stuff happen, but then we've just, we've made it a platform. Right. And it's, you know, it's literally most of the samples that have these experiences from the demos we show in our sessions are like 100 lines of code or less. Wow. The sample. Right. Like it's just, right. we it's did really, a show really a while ago about the Xbox smart glass. And yes. I played a few games where your phone got incorporated into the game, right? So it's like, you've got your control, you're playing your game and literally your, your phone rings mm -hmm. and it's a character from the game. <laughs> That's so, so cool. The, That's awesome. Again, a ton of code, right? right. I, yeah. I loved everything about that. It's, yeah. it's all a lot, so, but so to make that a normal experience. Yeah. yeah. At, at its core, actually, the tech that Project Rome was built on for all the proximal pieces is smart glass. We actually wow. we built on top of that. The team the team that built smart glass is actually the core team for for, uh, Rome. for for Project Rome. And what we did is we took that core tech and we made it work across all Windows devices, all Windows platforms, all Windows SKUs, iOS and Android. Right. And then supercharged it through the cloud, through yes. through Microsoft Graph. And that identity piece. Yeah. So you know, this remind this is the 
this is the new new Microsoft. Mm. You guys used to build the same thing several places at the same right. time and then sort of duke it out in public. It sounds like you guys realized you were all yeah. building something similar yeah. and now consolidated into a common product. Yeah. So right. how many teams, I mean, obviously smart glass, so forth, like, is Office on board? If, yeah. Do we have this capability in Office? Like, what Microsoft products today could could be using this? Yeah. So we have a bunch of teams that are either in progress or have committed or are integrating mm -hmm. with us. Office is clearly something that is working with us very closely. So you will see like the Office document show up in the Windows timeline. Mm -hmm. You saw this yesterday in Joe Belfiore's presentation where Office is using our cloud clipboard to provide a native experience yeah. That's so cool. inside Office. We are working very closely with other first-party apps like Groove and Maps and Photos, Great. right? All of us are on board. And I think you hit on this very important point about one Microsoft. Right. And we really believe that. We add in new pieces only when they are required. Right, right. Rather, and we go and leverage existing pieces. So going back, what, five minutes back when he said, you go yeah. to accounts.live.com. That's been on for, I don't know, five years or something. Yeah. We leverage that existing service and brought it in like can those guys work with us so we have people who are the first party apps are using on top of us we are using existing services we are really the plumbers we are, right. we are bringing yeah. all these things together we are connecting all these dots and you know we don't want the glory we just want these guys to come and work with us it's, it's really amazing you know in, in the past few months where we've been kind of prepping for what we want to show a build we would we'll go over to all the teams at microsoft like we talked about grooves and maps and office and we talked to them and they'd all be like, wow, this, you know, we had this feature on our backlog, but we've never been able to get to it because it's been kind of too big. Right, right. And they see our platform and they're like, where have you been all my life? Right. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Like this, now it's just a piece of cake and we'll right. get this done in a couple, like, you know, in the next generation. Mm -hmm. And they're able to, you know, we had to talk about HackFest and they're able to get these things, uh, you know, wired into their application mm -hmm. in just a matter of hours. Are you guys working with uh, cognitive services at all? Yes, we are. You mean the intelligence services? Yeah. Yeah, That's so a new we are. Name. <laughs> so actually, one of the pieces that we Wait, haven't what? talked about yet. Co what? A new name? A new name? How could that have happened? No, seriously, it's it's not cognitive services anymore. I don't anymore? know. Like, they keep changing these names on yeah. us. Microsoft is too big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go yeah. ahead. So one of the things that we haven't talked about actually is the schema.org payload mm -hmm. that you can put in as a developer. Are you guys familiar with schema.org? Let me do a quick overview. Yeah, sure. You can go to HTTP schema.org. It's a Collaboration yep. between Microsoft, Google, yeah. and a couple of it's other been around like, uh, for a while. Exactly. Yeah. So, in the user activity APIs, developers can provide us a schema.org representation of what their user is doing. Let me give you an example. Sure. Let's say that we are list uh, the user is listening to Taylor Swift because there is really no other artist that the user should listen to. <laughs> okay. And the user One man's opinion. I didn't know he was here, such yeah. a Taylor yeah. Swift fan, yeah. but okay. You so, should see his office. All right. <laughs> Bit of a shrine. <laughs> it's all about the Tay-Tay. Okay. It's, it's an inside joke, and we've just gone with it. <laughs> no, we, we honestly, we, we love Taylor Swift. But, um, uh, Call me Tay-Tay. I don't know. She's always here tomorrow. So. <laughs> so let's let's come back to reality. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When we started, we said, we love your show. We love your show. This is so much fun. <laughs> do you, wait, do you love our show like you love Taylor Swift? <laughs> I just don't know where you stand. I'm, so sure I'm starting to, to get now. uncomfortable now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the user is listening to Taylor Swift. And what the developer can tell us that, you know, this the user is listening to HTTP. Let's take Groove as an example. Right. Right? Groove.com slash song slash Taylor Swift slash Bad Blood. 
you know, whatever, right? Oh, wow, he knows titles too. What's yeah, up with this? Yeah, of course. <laughs> and along with that, they can give us a schema.org payload inside the user activity object. Oh, interesting. Which yeah. is, you know, it's a JSON payload, which mm-hmm. is at type equal to music, at song equal to bad blood, at right. artist is equal to uh, Taylor Swift. And that payload is a formatted payload that the user can tell us. And now the schema, is the payload is actually schematized. So now right. going back to the intelligence aspect of it, Cortana being the intelligence assistant that she is mm-hmm. and cognitive services that exist on, you know, um, that, that can really crunch this data and provide that value back to the user. So let's take that example where the user is now at home and it's, you know, say 10 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday and she's, you know, she's making a brunch at home, you know, for her family and Cortana might provide a suggestion back to the user. This is the time where you normal, normally listen to the Taylor Swift radio. Right, <laughs> and she clicks that, and that shows up on her phone. And now the device graph tells the user there is an invoke speaker 10, 10 feet away from you. Do you want to play that on the invoke speaker? She says okay. And now that connective tissue breaking down barriers between devices is actually working for the user. And guess what the developer got from it? App engagement. Right. Yes. Right. User retention. And it all comes back to that. Yeah, right. that's great. And that's yeah. when dad comes into the room and changes the music to Beastie Boys. <laughs> <laughs> we clearly have our favorites, don't we? <laughs> and, and I hate to, I mean, I like the consumer story, yeah. but the way we've just talked about this thing, I suddenly like, this is the collaboration library inside of the enterprise. Because yeah. mm-hmm. how much, you know, we, we've done these talks, right? We're talking about the new enterprises, no more cubicles. You take the machine to the work, right? I mean, that's the whole thing about a tablet, which yeah. means you constantly ad hocking mm-hmm. local networks, collaboration moments. So to mm-hmm. give me a set of tools so that it's like, hey, the four of us are here working on that particular problem right now. Yeah. Let's make sure we all have a copy of the same notes, right? Right. I used to have to, you had to count on one note with that. And the, and the setting up of that was not a trivial thing that we could both see the same one note type at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that we could do that almost spontaneously with the, with the software and, and right. some tooling that yep. you do your work, you share the right. stuff. And, you and move. across all sorts of different app experiences. Exactly. I mean, all apps are different um, and they have different ways of, you know, yeah. building these sessions right. and, and, and having yeah. a collaborative experience. Yeah, yeah. Right. of course. And this is actually not something that is, you know, just focused on multi-device, even on a single device. Like, mm-hmm. You know, one of the experiences that we've built with Cortana is if you restart your machine, Cortana is giving you, going to give you a toast that says, do you want to resume where you were before you restarted? Wow. That simple thing on the single device, we are driving app engagement on that single device as well. Yeah, that feature exists in the browsers, right. the modern browsers. Do you yeah. want to restore all your pages? Exactly. Right. It doesn't really go far enough. Yeah. You know, it'll bring you to that page, but what if that page was you just purchased a $10,000 item? Right. Are you going to resubmit the form? No. Yeah. You know, there's Probably a whole don't want lot to, of right? nuance there, yeah. right? And now yeah. you expand that to the whole device. Exactly. And you, yeah. And think about them, you know, where the user is feeling more in control of yeah. what's going on. I think that's a very, very important part because I got to think there's some folks listening here going, creepiness factor through the roof, mm. privacy concerns all over the yeah. place, you know. Yeah. There's one thing that came from the keynotes at Build. It's like you're taking on some stuff that has some sensitivity for a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. They are concerned about being in control, knowing what's yeah. going on, being able to opt out. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I don't Absolutely. want you to know that I'm in love with Tay-Tay. And I need to keep totally that to myself, <laughs> right? And we totally respect that, right? Yeah. If you don't want to 
participate in this experience, you can but, opt out. And, but I want it granular. It's like yeah. it's all fine when we're collaborating at work, but you don't get to know I love Tay Tay. Absolutely. So, <laughs> you know, let's maybe turn that feature off. Like, yeah. Can we filter that? Can we be granular like yeah. that? We say, yeah, yeah you, get, you can't watch my groove music. Like, so that you bring up a very show. important point because enterprise developers are listening to this as well. Yes. Taylor right? Swift? Uh, <laughs> You we can't move past. I know. I know. I know. Do you know who you're sitting with? <laughs> <laughs> that was a meatball, man. That was right over the plate. I had to swing. <laughs> you guys are good. Uh, so, like, coming back to the enterprise developers, the way to think about it is uh, there is a distinction between the enterprise identity and the consumer identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Enterprises are completely in control as well. Right. Right. So that, like, enterprises own. You know, whether they want this experience, yeah. enterprise, yes. like your AAD and MSA activities are kept separate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And all of this is in a very, very strong compliance boundary. Yeah. Right. And, like and we are doing you know, I, everything I wear we the can. IT hat enough to right. know I have a responsibility as the operator yeah. of a network right. to know what's traveling right. over it, to, to maintain that within specific compliance guidelines. Like right. the company needs to manage the company data. There's no two ways about that. But personal devices have to be treated with respect yep absolutely right. and we, we strongly believe that in fact we have done a lot of work to make sure that we are compliant mm-hmm. right yeah. like and, and we you know we we have this responsibility right to yeah. make sure that the users and the enterprises are feeling in complete control and we can't allow this concern around privacy and so forth to stop this kind of development from happening right. we right. just have to do it publicly enough absolutely you know honestly enough absolutely. that we have confidence over it so and I, and I just love the potential of granularity like yep, that absolutely that we could just these are the things i want to keep private these are the things i'm willing to share absolutely. so where is project rome and how do we get this http aka.ms slash project rome and it's on github it's on github it's all open source it's all it's not open source yet okay uh, but it's available the binaries are available for you to download and start okay. playing uh, we have on, on that GitHub page, we have our Android SDK that we provided an update to yesterday. Okay. We have the iOS SDK that we released yesterday. Yep. We have links to Microsoft Graph that you can go and check out the REST APIs. And obviously, the Windows pieces are baked into the operating system. Right. We have samples there that you can go and play around with. And we are listening very closely to user voice. Yes. Uh, and actually, I ran into a developer yesterday who's been giving us feedback through GitHub. And he was like, you guys respond to back to us within two days. Like you guys are fast. You're like, yes, we are listening to you. Yeah, uh, we are. We are. We are very much listening to developer feedback because we want to do this with the developers and do it right. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, uh, Vikas and Sean, thank you very much for sharing this. With us. Our minds are blown, and that I'm doesn't happen you, yeah. easily. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And as we said, we are big fans. Thank you for having us over. Oh, of course. That's yeah, great. Yeah, Come back fun. sometime. Yeah. yeah you Bring bet. a pie. <laughs> Bring a pie. <laughs> <laughs> and Taylor Swift. I don't know. <laughs> a little music. Bring a little music. <laughs> All right, folks. We'll see you next time on .NET Rock. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, 
downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a